Welcome to Base, a podcast about weird stuff. I'm Peter C. Hine, and joining me as always is my excellent friend, co-host, co-conspirator. He's the sagging red thread to my disintegrating corkboard, the abject paranoia to my delusional psychosis, and the as-yet undiagnosed pathology to my chronic, all-consuming, spirit-crushing, and seemingly endless insomnia. It's Mr. Stephen James Buckley. For fuck's sake, man. This is getting... <laughs> I don't know how long you're going to be able to keep this up. We say this every time, and yeah. every time it just gets more and more... The insomnia yeah. is real. I'm getting one hour sleep a night at the moment, writing these yeah. intros. You know, I've got a stack of them waiting for episodes to come. Yeah. I uh, I don't know what you'd do without me, to be honest, giving you that giving you that kind of thing to work towards every, You're my every muse. week. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that glorious intro. Um, so, yeah, it's me. I don't have a cold this time like I did last time we recorded, but spookily enough, Mr. Hine now has a cold, even though we've not met in person so my only uh the only sort of answer to that i would say would be that that the the illness i had well and i didn't i didn't intentionally curse you but i feel that the illness somehow jumped through the microphones and through the the world wide web uh to to you so but anyway thank um, you for that so we're being joined tonight by a guest who you might be familiar with if you uh, like Hein and myself, have an excellent taste in podcasts. Um, he is one half of the fantastic Nonsense Bazaar. Uh, it's none other than the fast-talking, wise-cracking, and somewhat unbelievably named Sequoia Kennedy. Hello, Sequoia. Hi, Sequoia. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on. It's a it's a pleasure to be here. And oh, thanks very much for coming. I mean, we were talking a little bit before the um, b- before we started recording, and I was getting effusive of my praise of the nonsense bizarre but i just want to continue <laughs> yeah, that were. a bit for, for, for the listeners to to hear because nonsense bizarre is one of my favorite podcasts of all time and um, I'm, I'm so uh i feel really honored to sort of have you here today it's a real privilege um do, do you want to talk a bit about the what the nonsense bizarre is or do you want me to talk a bit about that um i have a hard time talking about that i, I appreciate the praise very much uh, that's uh very kind words I I don't know what the nonsense bizarre is. To be perfectly honest, it's just it a an outsider. outsider to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to an outsider, the nonsense bizarre. It kind of talks about culture, conspiracy, belief, um, that the, the very present and completely terrifying reality um, <laughs> that the truth might not actually be out there. And this is what I get from the nonsense bizarre. You know, this is a heavy dose of paranoia with a lot of information and a yeah. lot of laughs along the way. Yeah, I mean that that's about it. I mean, I you know, I I think in a lot of ways we do um, you know, what what you guys do, which is we are we are pretty much noobs to the whole world of the of the weird and uh you know, kind of just ended up here and we're finding our finding our way through it um while pretending we know a lot more than we actually do, <laughs> I think. Um so for people who might not be familiar, you have a, a co-host on the Nonsense Bazaar, Willow Truman, um, yes. and you uh, you do, it's on the face of it, it's like a, an entertainment podcast, like a, it's it's kind of funny, uh, it's wisecracking, uh, but there's actually, when you get below, and this is the thing that hooked me in with the Nonsense Bazaar, was was the amount of original research that's that's become a big part yeah. of it, and, and that was there pretty much from the beginning, I think, you know, um, because um, it seemed like from the get-go, you were doing, like, I mean, I think the first series you did was that... Was it Biosphere? Yeah, it's Biosphere uh, too. Biosphere yeah. too. Yeah, that's it. I absolutely <laughs> loved that, and 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 that was what that was the one that really kind of because I was enjoying it as an entertainment podcast up to then, but then the in depth research um, and and all the information that I was getting and all the interconnected pieces 
in that episode, you know, because that went all the way to something that I want to talk about later, which is Steve Bannon, like the outer reaches of all this weird stuff, that, that sort of shadowy figure. Um, I really, really loved it. And and you've carried on. And and some of these episodes have like absolutely impeccable research. I mean, some of my favorites, Jack Parsons, was that a three or a four-parter? Or... That was four parts. Four so, party, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's the Unida, um, the, 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 the cutlery making. Yeah, yeah, the, the Unida <laughs> yeah. community. The Harry Horse one. The Harry Horse Harry one Horse was one of my favorites. The two of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hopefully, there may be more to talk about with that story Fuck. in the in the in the future. Uh, I'll, I'll link to all these on in the show notes so people can catch up. Uh, but I mean, I also in love the Tin Man, uh, the Fae Encounters in the Modern World, yeah. the Bomb, your episode one hundred that was terrifying. All <laughs> of the stuff on the I M Cult and the Purple Flame of Saint Germain, which is like your nemesis on the show, which is I absolutely love this recurring figure which keeps yeah. coming up, which we'll talk about later as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it, it's it's just an absolutely fascinating show, and and like uh, I, I I honestly can't believe that you do an episode of that every week. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, well, thank you again, um, like very much. I, I've I've no idea how to take uh, praise and compliments, but you know, th- I appreciate it's it very much. Coming, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it, you know, a lot of it comes down to dividing um, work the right way, um, scheduling things, giving yourselves enough time. Like we know, you know, the Jack Parsons series that took me t- two months to research, something like that. And then had other things in the pipe that I knew that like I could just kind of do off the top of my head. Um, differences in uh, how much we script and stuff like that, and you know, trading off like okay, I did the big one, you know, now and now it's your turn to do the really big one, stuff like that. There's a lot of research tricks and like scheduling tricks that that happen behind the scenes. Um, and I mean, I'm kind of a, a psychopath too, and I knew from the start that it's like we release every week because the algorithm loves it. And and when you're like, you know, just two weirdos from the middle of nowhere that live in a swamp, um, you kinda gotta use all the all the tricks you got to uh to rise above the noise. Um but yeah, it's been I mean, it's been um the the whole nonsense bizarre experience has been incredible and just like it it's the first thing I've ever like followed through on in my life and uh it's it's been really worth it. And I love hearing that it resonates and that <laughs> I was right in that jokes help the the medicine go down, you know. Definitely, um, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and it was an influence on base as well, you know. But we've been talking about the nonsense bazaar since for about a year now, um, you yeah. know, between me and Buckley, and you know, I, I think um, although the shows on the surface are quite different, it has that thing that you were just talking about, you know, two weirdos from the middle of nowhere who are doing this, you know? yeah. And I also have that that thing of being, you know, like a, a slight psychopath, you know, like a, like no no amount yeah. of work on this is is enough. But also, yeah. there's just it, it it's it, it kind of shows how there are other people like us as well, you know, uh, introverts who turn extrovert for the purpose of a podcast, and uh, you know, like they bring weird stuff to light. You know, we're seekers, but we're seekers for kind of no good reason. Um, you yeah. know, like uh, yeah. and and um, uh, you know, for this reason, you know, we 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 recognised in you guys kind of kindred spirits, and we've been wanting to talk to you, uh, you know, for, for a long time, really. Yeah, likewise. When we first, uh, you know, when you came across our radar, I was like, okay, these. These guys are the homies. They, 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 they know what's good, you know. Yeah, I think uh, I think we one of the things that really appealed to me about Nonsense Bazaar was like the chaos of it all, where bits of it just suddenly suddenly seem to descend into complete chaos, and you're just like, "What the fuck is going on?" And, yeah, yeah. And it's like, "What am I listening to?" And then it'll suddenly come back with something that's completely like uh, profound or <laughs> occasionally quite moving. 
it's like you're not just taking the piss. If it was just a show where you were taking the piss out of like what people believed or or mocking people for the beliefs or you know mocking all these people who you know you're not doing that. It's not no. as simple as that. There's like a, a nuance to it, which which I think is is cool and I think which is important as well. Uh, because yeah. if you go too far one way, I think if it's too dry, if it's too serious, then it just bores me really. Uh, but but also if it's too daft, then also it's just like, well, no, I want some depth. I want some like something that I can go away and research or that can spark my imagination or whatever. So just more praise. We're still we're still at the praising nonsense yeah. bazaar. I, I, I want to give some <laughs> some heavy praise to your co-host as well, Willow, because like, oh, yeah. there, there's, there's a magic um, to, to to your friendship that comes across in the podcast, and particularly Willow has this thing or seems to. Yeah, as, as the show comes across, where um, she can, she, she just pulls in all these seemingly unconnected parts, and then will suddenly uh, out, out of the chaos that we're talking about, she will just say something that's so profound, that's uh-huh. so sort of on the money and so on on the spot. You know, it's a kind of weird kind of genius, uh, but it's it's amazing to listen to, and the way that you play off each other is fantastic. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, she um, she understands people really well and understands um how people believe things the, the her level of empathy for people is unbelievable yeah, it comes and it, that's really helpful for me I, I have a tendency to be much harsher and much more um i don't know i, I guess prejudiced is the is the right word for it um just in terms of you know someone believes something dumber i'm 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 quicker to call someone a grifter right off the bat i think um even though i don't necessarily like to and i also you know i believe a lot of weird wacky things as well um and i think that it it's been important to us from the get-go that we're not a show that makes fun of weird beliefs we're a show about weird beliefs but like we also have some of those and and i think also we're a show about the stories of people with weird beliefs and how they turn out for better or worse and it is both of those um and uh yeah no i mean willow is um i i could not do it do a podcast without her i don't think um yeah i mean as much as i as much as i like isekaya it would be rubbish yeah (laughs) i know yeah 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 it's it's (laughs) so let's let's do a quick bit about your origin story and so on sure how did you get into as a young sequoia kennedy how did how did you find your way into this weird stuff yeah you know i hmm it's it's strange like i i i think i've attacked the side of the weird probably more from the position of like being interested in mythology and comparative religion and stuff like that. I'm I'm very much a history of religion uh, perspective. Mm. And um, I was always like, I always always thought like UFOs were cool and thought that, you know, magic would be cool if it was real and all this this shit. Um, But, you know, for me, it was like, I don't know if, if you guys ever experience, if you can remember like the first time you were faced with like the, uh, the terrifying nakedness of simply being because <laughs> yeah. i i certainly can it was in sixth grade and i was at lunch in middle school and i was going to the bathroom and all of a sudden i realized that i was having an experience and i was like oh this is terrifying and yeah. like ever since then i don't like um i have a hard time not thinking about like existential questions and stuff and like being kind of raised as a as an atheist with the side of paganism and then making my way more towards a 
a, a type of spirituality and theism and stuff is uh, uh, is kind of how I got there. And then also, like, I watched Twin Peaks and stuff, and that's <laughs> that's how uh, that's how a lot it. of that stuff happened. I'll do it, yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, even at the start of the Nonsense Bazaar, there's a lot of the topics that we've covered that I like, when we started the Nonsense Bazaar, like, I did not know much about ufology or or any of the history of ufology of, of any of that. It's still not. That's not really my my jam, although it is fascinating. Um, but hell, I didn't know that much about like the history of magic either until until we started. Uh, although I did have sort of a practice at the time. And ha- has uh, the nonsense bizarre changed your beliefs or your spirituality in any way? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's at least I think it's matured it uh, a bit. It's it's made it. Um, I've also become more comfortable with it i think like just being exposed to so many other people with beliefs in general and uh and yeah yeah i mean that's an interesting question because i don't know if it's the nonsense bizarre it's it's hard to separate the nonsense bizarre from my life from everything you know what i mean and uh but at this at the same time though there is like you know this whole story of how the nonsense bizarre started is like Willow and I knew each other very briefly, like 10 years ago and then did not talk for like 10 years. And then I had a fucking dream that I was at her house for <laughs> this wow. is, this is true. I hadn't yeah. thought about this, this woman so long. How did, I don't even know if I've told her this. <laughs> I, I think I have, but I don't And I was just like, I was like, that was weird. And then like a month later we like matched on Bumble and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like about to – I saw her. I was like, oh, wow, I hope she's doing well. Went to go swipe left and like before I could and like close that Pandora's box forever, like a notification popped up. And I was like, oh, well, I'll match with you. And I'm like, okay. And we like met up and like right from the get-go, we're like, this is not a romantic thing. She's like, no, it's not. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, a couple weeks later, like, let's start a podcast together. And it's been like that. It's weird that, though, that you say yeah. that, but uh, because like about the dream thing, like um, that was a uh, vase came from a dream as well. I, I no dreamt shit. that me and Buckley were in a, a record store and he pulled out a record, uh, like a little CD, you know, the, the digi packs that they used to make yeah. out of recycled material. And it said vase on the front. And he said, look, you're really going to enjoy this. Again, but I mean, that, that, that was probably about a decade ago now that I had that dream and it is sort of filtered through all this time. Um, but like that is weird that because I mean that is definite the sort of um time loops, you know, the the, yeah, the weird Wargo, echoes the Wargo sort of stuff, you know, yeah. the, the echoes of the future coming coming through, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Especially with you yeah, doing yeah, that yeah. you were at Willow's house, which I think is where you record sometimes. That is where we record. Yeah. That's yeah. uh except for the first like uh, I think it was the first uh twenty episodes we did at my house and then after that it was it was at hers. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so that that was and also she doesn't drive, so I had even when we were Recording in my house, I had to go and fucking pick her up. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. this sounds very familiar. The more the more I hear about you two, the more I realise that I am the willow of vase. <laughs> like, it is. Hey man, it's a good it's, role to be. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. No, no, no. no the better, it's, honestly, it's the better of the two. No offense, to you, but we're in the same boat. I can testify to that. <laughs>
when you're covering this stuff and you say about how this stuff has the power, this stuff, and I know this firsthand from doing Vase, um, it integrates in your life so that you can't necessarily separate it from your life. You're, you can't separate necessarily your thoughts from your podcast because they start to become one and the same thing. And I think that's what you were kind of saying in a roundabout sort of way or something yeah, similar yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you stop with the kind of stuff, that the, the, the deep insanity of the stuff that you cover, you know, on, on this? How do you stop yourself from becoming consumed by it and becoming like a tinfoil hat person? Because it would be easy to do, you know, if you're living this stuff, you know, 18 hours a day... Um, and, and you're talking about this stuff constantly. Um, and, and we've seen the way that it can rub off on people. How do you keep yourself grounded? Um, I think jokes have a lot to do with it. I think humor has a ton to do with it. Um, you know, when you step into the role of the of the jokester and you're and you've got a script prepared with jokes, it, it creates a it's well, it's interesting because it, it once creates a barrier between you and the material, but it also allows your package of information to hit people easier and penetrate their defenses easier which is again i'm kind of a psychopath and that's how i think about things <laughs> um and uh and the and the other part i think for me is not keeping my own spiritual practices separate from the show like i don't talk about you know what I have on, you know, my bookshelf altar or whatever, or, you know, my meditation practice and stuff like that. Like that doesn't really come into it because it is essentially personal because I just don't trust uh, like dogmas and uh, even necessarily the concept of teachers. Um, but that's, you know, that's mine. And there's a, there's an aspect of spirituality that is mine and only mine and can never be anyone else's. And that's kind of where I hang my hat, you know, and everything else is just, I mean, at least in my conception, it's uh, different. It's variations on, you know, the capital T truth, the ineffable truth that get filtered through other people. And so you can look at it all as like, oh, well, there's an essential truth that can never be described and it gets filtered through things. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. It all ends up kind of wacky in the end. Um, I guess, yeah, maybe just keeping something core separate from from your public facing persona yeah, and, sure. and the art you make it's a bit late for that for us isn't it yeah yeah we, we we've <laughs> kind of gone down the the thing of, of like um in, in a lot of ways um trying not to like i I've, I've used it as an exercise in being open in a way so i've kind of opened up a lot more than i would normally um within the podcast i think and that's had benefits in my life as well as the, the obvious sort of you know sort of vaguely negative connotations of that as well but you've touched upon a load of stuff that that's really really interested me there um are, are you happy to talk like in a very broad sense about your kind of spiritual practice or magic? Sure. do you have a practical magic do you have like a, a magical practice at all or anything like that i've you know i have an incredibly adhd rattled brain so it's i'm quite undisciplined when it comes to anything other than we release on wednesdays you know <laughs> that's um and i i have to be like that for some things or it'll it'll just fall apart but my you know i've tried keeping many magical journals i've tried all that and it's just it's very very hard for me and i also you know i i seem to change my relationship with that um all the time um practical magic for me has always been it seems to always work if i've ever tried something for other people's benefit but never for my own and that's that's just that's just how it goes and so i don't really do that that much um i think I, I make you know uh you know small like candle and incense offerings to like 
local spirits, you know, quote unquote spirits, whatever that means. Um, and, you know, ancestors and, um, you know, the dead, broadly speaking. And, um, yeah, my, I don't know. It's, a uh, the, the thing I've been gravitating more and more towards is something adjacent to Taoism. Um, that seems to just be the thing that keeps, uh, just being like, Hey, this, this is the one that won't drive you insane because you just accept that it's all just kind of insane and there's nothing to, <laughs> nothing to really learn from there. But yeah, you know, I meditate. Um, I try to meditate every day, but I don't beat myself up if I don't. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, my, uh, like I, I, I do have uh, native American heritage and that's where my name comes from. And I was kind of raised with, um, a version of that a bit by my dad and um so it's about a you know i have a real connection to nature and the woods and the place like the physical woods that i live in it's incredible um like like the similarity that, that you said you could be basically apart from the um having some sort of native american heritage which i obviously don't um everything else you said like like is, is incredibly it resonates a lot with me i mean i do basically the same thing you know i've got the meditation practice um i do the offerings i find have you found um have you have you noticed a difference since you started doing your your offerings uh, like i do offerings to spirits that sort of aid me and the spirits that i might mm-hmm. pissed off um as well have you yeah. noticed like a big um a big or any difference in your life since you started doing that i have yeah and you know i i imagine i might have started doing the same thing after reading uh, aiden walker's book after six ways i know you yeah i know you've talked yeah. about that and that was uh I do. I I really do like that book, not because I think it's necessarily the truth, but it's it's a very soft introduction to like, oh, this is what it looks like in practice, rather than this is how you should practice. It's like this is how it looks like for me to practice. It's like, oh, okay, I can take a lot from that. Um, seeing an example, but I, I definitely have noticed a difference. I've also noticed that sometimes the those um, forces or whatever don't necessarily agree with me in what in what i think you know should happen or or what i want but there's been less resistance exactly it feels like stepping into a flow doesn't it Mm -hmm. you know like like, that's what i've noticed as well and and interestingly from what you were saying before as well is i've just um over the last couple of months read the uh jing as well Mm -hmm. um you know and 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 like you were saying about taoism you sort of some of it i find more difficult to uh, take than than other bits like I'm, I'm yeah. not I'm not very much of of the mindset of being able to surrender myself to that sort of thing um, but so much of it resonated with me um, in in a really uh, interesting way um, that that I I've taken note of it yeah I you know my the the sort of conception I have of like m- magic in my life or like my life as a magical operation is like just the imagery that i have is is that of like a river like the river of time you know or the river of causality and and stuff and like either through you know building water wheels and machines powered by that river machines of ideas machines of thought machines of consciousness or whatever or you know that's i think that's one type of magic you could say that like the nonsense bazaar is a type of magic that works in that way but then there's also like the idea that you know if you were say standing in a river and like things were coming towards you things were floating down the river towards you and like something passes you by like you'd 
be an idiot if you tried to like swim after it and 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 try to fight be instead you forget about that and like just look up the river wait for something else to to come to you and that's you know for someone that's super impatient like i am um that's sort of my uh, relationship with like surrendering to the flow and and stuff like that it, it feels like that to me i think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there that's that's exactly where my my i think we've probably been reading some of the same stuff <laughs> it sounds like it or, or, or maybe we have a similar sort of brain but that's exactly yeah. exactly what it is. It, is is that's kind of what i was meaning about getting into the flow you know suddenly you find more i think that if you work things in the right way and 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 you have that patience which i've always struggled with that more of the things that you want kind of start to come your way or at least you can start to see ways in which those things can be more accessible right and and like and it's the it's the question is that a is that just because of perception or is that because you know something's looking after you is it, it and i i don't i don't know and i don't know if those things are necessarily separate um it works though it's useful it's a useful it's the results isn't it that matter rather than uh rather than the exact explanation of what it is yes yeah it's what you said buckley i think when we were talking to nathan paul isaac uh, it, it's all right not to know isn't it you know yeah <laughs> I, I think it's frustrating but it is okay but yeah. sometimes it's comforting as well you don't have to know it's not, not necessarily our place to know that's see that's a thing that is uh i remember when you when you said that in that episode i was um just because of where I was that day, like that hit me fairly hard. That's been a thing I've been, you know, working on myself because I have this, you know, I I have uh, a very, um, I have a very manageable, mild uh, case of OCD um, that makes me obsessive about things that I don't know, especially in terms of like uncertainty in my own life and stuff like that. And like, coming to terms with that has been a like story of the past i don't know year or so in my own personal life like apart from the podcast and stuff and uh and there's uncertainty both in you know metaphysics and in physics and stuff and it like legitimately is okay not to know and it, it's legitimately fine once you're fine with it kind of like jumping into cold water it's like you you're scared of the not knowing until you just sort of accept not knowing and then it's like oh okay that's that's fine no, we're, we're not fans of uncertainty here yeah. <laughs> we're not we do not like it uh i recognize it, the struggle that you're uh, yeah 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 like it. it's interesting a lot of what you've talked about in the last couple of minutes has kind of touched on something that i was thinking earlier today which um which was that there's quite a bit of crossover between magic practice and self-help sort of things yeah kind of self-therapy and it kind yeah. of got me thinking sort of you know is there a massive difference between going to see a therapist and you know it, it, it there is there is some there is some kind of crossover and i know that like it is something that both hein and myself have engaged engaged with a, a few times like in terms of therapy and and you know we're both pretty fucking messed up and so we both yeah, ended likewise. up like having therapy or reading self-help books to try and, you know, and I, I kind of almost something that I've noticed in, in, in the, in the past year is that I've become a lot more, um, I've started kind of 
treating the self-help area of my life in sort of almost the same place as the magic. So like I've got like I've got a bunch of books down here which I have as like I pick them up and look at as part of a daily thing rather than they're not a book I read before I go to bed they're a book that I just have to kind of refer to and just help me with uh, you know ideas or things I'm thinking or you know to to help my brain and stuff and one of them is Six Ways by Aidan Wachter and then I've got other ones that are to do with coping with various things or whatever I won't go into details but like it's just interesting the two kind of seem to blend together for certain people don't they Um, yeah they do it makes you wonder sort of about the role of the magician or the role of the, the, the shaman or whatever in, in sort of older societies and, and how similar that is to what the, the therapist is like now. And uh, there's, there's a literal crossover as well. And a lot like, like so many of these self-help books actually go into the law of attraction now, don't they? Um, yeah. And, well, yeah. Um, I mean, that one that I read the, um, the one by the Stutz guy, uh, the rules, the, the, the rules, the tools. Yeah. That's like it, yeah. it starts out as being like a, a, a sort of self-help book. Uh, but, but towards the end, it just becomes about like, it's, it's just pure spiritual. It's just about like there being like a, a force, uh, you know, a, an external force that is helping you and that you can connect with. And it's like, Whoa, I wasn't expecting this from something that was in this section of the bookshop. Uh, but the two are just meshed. No. One one of my favorite episodes of the Nonsense Bazaar was the NLP one. Yeah. Mm. That's basically yeah. a magical system, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, another crossover there is and I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Um I know I, t- I talked about this a little bit on the solo episode I did um but the uh, uh what exactly were the uh destroyed MK Ultra sub projects? Mm. And I really honestly think that they're more that a lot of those destroyed sub projects were about psychology more than anything truly, truly spooky. Cause I think you see like a lot of this, like current, um, the current psychological understanding and, 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 uh, methods of therapy going back to like the human potential movement and stuff like that, which was, you know, also, it was all sorts of spooked up with, uh, you know, there, there's all sorts of crossover between the, the old, um, human t- potential movement and, you know, the people involved in, you know, broadly speaking, MK Ultra and the things people refer to as MK Ultra, and you know, as uh, Lavenda says, you points out in Sinister Forces, like that whole thing was about you know an intelligent or a government rather, the state kind of breaking open the egg of psychosis as a transformative power, and I, I think you know there there is it's tough because like. The, I th- I also think that there's different types of magic that get too often kind of put under the same umbrella. Um, but the sort of spiritual alchemy self transformation is absolutely one of those types, and I think that's indistinguishable from uh, self help and from um, you know untangling the knots in uh, in your own mind. Yeah, because a lot of it is about perception of reality, isn't it? Yeah, and so yeah. that that is basically what what a lot of it comes down to, and a lot of uh... A lot of the things that I've had to work through therapy wise have involved basically, you know, Stephen, you're perceiving this, but it's just a perception. It's not everyone else doesn't perceive it like this. And and then you sort of obviously you're getting into kind of the Robert Anton Wilson stuff as well with the like reality tunnels and stuff like that. And that is right, kind right. of but it's it's a really hard thing to get 
your head round as in it's a simple you can you can understand the concept of it you can think oh yeah this is my tunnel and this is their tunnel and this is their tunnel but to actually live your life in that way to actually act act put that into 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 practice is a very different thing and you can say oh yeah i've read i've read cosmic trigger and i i'm a free man and i understand all this and i'm all <laughs> outside of the rules of society and stuff but you've still got your you know you've still got your tunnels haven't you much much like oh, we yeah. were saying the other day like we're talking to someone who's just been reading cosmic trigger and saying like you know even robert anton wilson himself in the in the second two the the, the, the cosmic trigger two and three is pretty homophobic you know, he's talking yeah. about, you know, and so that's his reality tunnel, isn't it? So yeah, even, yeah, yeah. even the guy who coined the phrase isn't free from it. And it's just tough. It's tough to. Yeah. I, and I, I think as well, um, especially when you're talking about the Robin Ant- Anton Wilson stuff, because he had the, that real, reality tunnel thing and he did a lot of crazy stuff, particularly in Cosmic Trigger one i mean it was basically like he called it sort of gonzo ontology didn't he you know he's yeah. basically experimenting on himself he's taking a shitload of acid and stuff um but what sequoia was saying about the in- inducing psychosis and the role of psychosis I-, I see a lot of magic as being um inducing temporary psychosis yeah um, you know i i do the the shamanic journeying you know I-, I go and talk to bears rabbits frogs i get wisdom from them i induce those states in myself sometimes ecstatic states you know like if if uh, if you do like an animal possession or something you know and you take the animal into yourself um uh, all of these things um you know, if if i if i spontaneously started doing that uh, i'd probably be sectioned you know if, if it wasn't <laughs> within my control you know uh, but i get results from it as well you know i get genuine wisdom your know, genuine insight and that kind of thing right but, you know, so th- th- there is something to that that's that sort of induction of psychosis and and i think that um you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if intelligence agencies hadn't realized that, you know, the power that lies within that disordered thought, the, the idea, I mean, you get it in Pennyroyal um, of, of the, um, um, the, the, the savants, um, you know, who, who were intercepting messages from higher intelligences. Um, and Nathan was talking uh, when we interviewed him about um, the, the, um, the people who were suffering from schizophrenia, who started to basically develop their own uh, symbology and, 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 Communicate uh, way of communicating amongst themselves yeah. within the psychosis. All of this is absolutely fascinating. It, yeah, it it is. Um, and I, it, the interesting, the, the slightly well, no, it's connected. But um, I, there's a distinction I, I've always seen between uh, shamanism and uh, the like Western magic traditions and the traditions that led to Western magic. And one of those is like. You know, a, a, in shamanic cultures, and I, you know, I know it's probably not one hundred percent blanket true for all of them, but there's a, a tendency for like, you know, the next shaman to be uh, acknowledged relatively early and train with the dude who has the job, um, you know, currently. And uh, in a lot of the traditions that led to you know the Western magical tradition, it's like, oh no, you need to have a family. You need to be forty years old before you need to be well and truly stable before you start doing this. Because I think that there's a uh, in shamanism there's a like jumping into the deep end of the pool aspect, and then just like can you find your way out? Like can you bring it back? Can you reintegrate? Whereas like in um, Western magic, I see a, uh, a, a more of a, a theme of slowly pulling things in, 
rather than jumping into the deep end of the pool, like more like calling down the rain, essentially, or like getting it to fill up into your real world rather than jumping in and coming back. Yeah, like um, Israel Regardi was saying, like, you need however many thousand hours of of therapy before you should start magical yeah. practice. But there is there is a sense to that as well. There is there is it, there is some common sense to that. Um, but then, how much of that is putting a barrier between yourself and these primal forces that you could interact with if you were within a, a shamanic culture? Where I mean, there's all sorts of like initiatory um, methods in the shamanic traditions. Uh, a lot of which I don't know, but I know that one of them was centered around kind of childhood illness. You know, if if a kid was ill and, and nearly died and then came back, um, then the, then that would be basically initiation into the shamanic route because they touched the other side and that kind of thing i just kind of realized something that i was when i was a young lad uh, i got really really sick and was very close to death for a few days and i've never said that i've had a near-death experience but i very well may have although i've never i don't really i've never really experienced anything like visually paranormal or anything i don't i don't think other than um seeing an orb a couple times but you mentioned the the dark man experience as well that see and that i didn't even necessarily see it except through in um sleep paralysis but i uh when i was a kid like 10 years old or something like i just started drawing the hat man (laughs) Like, like like something out of a fucking horror movie like i just just that was just the thing I was drawing and I have no idea – I had no idea where it came from or anything. And it was only after that that I started having sleep paralysis and seeing that fucking dude looking at me. And then you know that only lasted so many years. I think the last time that happened to me, I was like 21 or something, so 12 years ago. Um, yeah, and I haven't seen that thing since. But it was just very strange to remember spontaneously drawing it but not – seeing it before then and i was 10 too so like it was i have memories before that um but yeah that's actually like another initiatory so you know or or a a pointer towards an initiatory experience as well is that idea of uh, i think something that dara mason talks about is that um you know that 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 is the role of the dark man is to initiate people as well so it's interesting going back to what you were saying before about the um uh the whole idea of you know you need to have had so many hours of therapy before you practice magic etc but that got me thinking about the whole uh set and setting thing and i think that's probably yeah. appropriate yeah, yeah. for magic as well isn't it i think so definitely i mean you know as someone with uh in most of my like magical practices divination you know I, I i read tarot a lot i i use a pendulum um quite a lot i i that's like my favorite way to find lost objects and stuff and it's it works i don't know um the pendulum always works if there's a chance that your subconscious might know the answer and it will always fuck you over do do you lose a lot of objects (laughs) i lose everything all the time Uh, oh yeah yeah i am the most disorganized uh scatterbrained (laughs) son of a bitch has ever been um Um, and you i was just gonna say like another thought i had whilst you guys were talking was uh this whole idea going back to the um uh the CIA, the um you know all the all the weird shit they're investigating and the the MK, yeah. the MK Ultra stuff. Well if you think about it, if you think about it in terms of sort of uh military weapons uh etc the physical weapons, the physical aircraft etc that we see mm-hmm. that we know they have we, we 
the stuff that they're working on now, we won't see for another, what, 30 years, 40 years. Yeah. But you wonder, is that true of a different kind of weapon? Is that true of, I'm pointing, listeners, I'm pointing to my, my temples yeah. here. Is this, is this true of the, the, the psychic weapons as well? I mean, Surely. you know. I mean, why not? <laughs> it, it, if anything, you'd imagine it would actually be, th- th- they'd keep it for longer maybe, I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I'm fully in agreement that yeah. they this the shit going on that we don't know about yet because if they do it with physical things they must surely do it with mental yeah. things that we're not ready for yet well we, we, us we are but the, <laughs> it's not here, <laughs> yeah. here. yeah they, they, i mean there's an interesting connection there isn't there because uh there's i think you hinted it in your uh project stargate you know the psychic spies in america episode that probably that never ended it just went further uh, uh, kind of behind yeah. closed doors and then of course then Hal Puthoff where does he end up yeah um, to the stars um and and he's and he's uh they're talking about um you know when you listen to the stuff that Semivan's talking about um this isn't this isn't objects in the sky anymore this is intelligences right other, other kinds of intelligences and it, it does make you wonder what's kind of going on that connects all these dots behind the behind the scenes yeah I mean I I think I I have I probably because I wasn't um, I, I've never been emotionally invested in ufology and I haven't been around for that long. And like, I'm not an expert in it. Um, I, <laughs> and I'm sorry for anyone that hears this, but I, I, I get better vibes from to the stars than I think most people do. I don't, there's other people in the thing that a lot of people get good vibes from that. I, I don't, um, who aren't uh, part of to the stars, but uh, I I tend to I get good vibes from Hal Putoff. I don't know, you know what I mean. I like I I just do, and I don't know why. And like, yeah, he what he did work for NSA and all that shit. And like, yeah, you know, it could turn out to be a bastard. That's you know, um, even Semivan. It's like, oh, I, I, that's not a dude I'd be friends with. But I'm like, there's other fuckers do, doing a similar bit who I trust way less, just as an immediate an immediate thing but there is also and and i mean okay listen i i have to root for tom DeLong. this dude went from being a rock star to fucking just being the ufo guy to still being a rock star and just like hanging out with hal put off at a fucking blink 182 show like i don't care i'm rooting for you tom that's incredible and i love you for it you, you we all want to be that you know but i do think that there's a chance that you know um Peter Lavenda might have just uh, hijacked to the stars and is just using it to push his own wizard's cosmology. And I don't, I don't, I, you know, <laughs> like Lavenda yeah. is pretty much sort of accepted that he did the Simon's Necronomicon. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I'm always afraid he's going to show up at my house and kick my ass. Exactly. So, <laughs> we're, we're, like, <laughs> okay, so it's, 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 you know, uh, it, it, it's allegedly. pretty much kind of allegedly, allegedly, allegedly he wrote Simon's yeah. Necronomicon and a lot of people believe that. Okay. So if we take that Which, to the next logical level, it, is it not possible that, that he could, uh, I'm only saying it's possible. I'm not saying Peter or Peter's lawyers that he has done this. I'm just saying that he could potentially be doing this. Could he not just be fucking with people on a different level? You know, I mean, so I think, I think that the, Assuming that uh, Lavender yeah. wrote the Simon Simon Economicon, um, I it, it's funny. To, I like I would understand why he would do that because he didn't 
want, he wouldn't want to be a guru or magical teacher or, or whatever, be the dude with who publishes the grimoire and says, here's how you do the thing. Um, I think that sort of backfired for the, how people see the usefulness of the Necronomicon. And I, I don't know, have you guys uh, ever read um, Dead Names or the um, Gates of the Necronomicon? I highly recommend both of those. Um, Dead Names especially, uh, and Gates of the Necronomicon is sort of an exegesis of the metaphysical theories in the Necronomicon. And it's like quite clear that, well, it's really funny that Peter Lavenda is a main character in Dead Names, which is just about the writing of the thing and then an explanation of a, a historical theory which would allow the Necronomicon to be real that does have evidence but yet is not widely accepted. It's quite a, quite a well-constructed little puzzle box there. But my personal thoughts on it is it's a – the Necronomicon is a grimoire like every other book of magic period. And there are books of magic that people take seriously that are obviously bullshit, but that people attach their real names to or whatever, and they don't use a, a term from Lovecraft for it. But it's way less theoretically sound and it has way less you know juice to back it up with. But it just... It seems like they're not lying or... I, I don't know. And it's it's like... Whereas I feel like people are way more likely to just cast the Necronomicon aside as an actual piece of technology. Whereas really, probably look at look at that thing a little bit and like read gates the necronomicon i i got really into it i was like you know what like i want maybe i'll like maybe i'll just get super and maybe i'll just you know, i'll i'll try some of this stuff and then you know reading gates the necronomicon it was like oh this is this has a lot to do with like the actual stars in a in a physical sense like this has a lot more to do with astronomy than astrology and it's like ah oh, that's not really my my bag but it's a very interesting um it's a very interesting thing. And I think the fact that it is by Simon and not by Peter Lavenda is a, um, I think, I think that's also important, even though it, it does show up as a true book in some of Lavenda's, uh, works, but you know, you look at something like sinister forces and like, there's stuff in there in the, especially in the first book where, you know, he cites all of his sources, Lavenda does, but if you actually go and look at the sources, there's some shit that he cites that's just not in the source. Like the, um, I, I think it's the, I might be wrong about this, but I think I remember the red-haired giants in uh, Appalachia or something. Like he c- cites that, like where that comes from. But if you go to that source, like it, it's not there. And I, I might, it might be a different anecdote. Um, don't quote me on that, but there, are, there are a couple in there, and it's like, oh, that's a, like that's a little magician's trick. It's like. It's letting you know that you can't necessarily trust all this. Yet, as you go further, like it's that's also front loaded in book one as well. And I think, like, whether that's just to keep people thinking for themselves, not present anything as complete truth, or whether that's to create plausible deniability for legal reasons, you know, I I, I don't know. But you look at the other stuff that dudes written, like, um, books on the 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 magic of um of freemasonry or mormonism or uh he has that book um about uh like climbing the ladder of heaven or it's something about that about um daoism and uh 
I think like Merkaba mysticism. I'm, I'm, I'm messing that up. I haven't looked at that in a while, but, um, and Duda said, uh, all of his books are chapters in the same book. So I have to assume that the two of the stars books are part of that as well, especially since they fit so well into that cosmology. And then it becomes, well, there's also a chance that like that dude's just a magician and this is a version of an actual truth, right? Like this is, you know, maybe he, he wouldn't, he actually be the guy you would want writing this stuff if the UFO problem was essentially magical in nature. Probably. So what's the intention yeah. then? What do you think the, if that, if all that God, is true? I have no what? idea. Yeah. Is, <laughs> I have it, no could clue. The, could the intention be, uh, on a, again, this is just the first, first thought that popped into my head. Could the intention be that nerds like us get together and discuss it and make podcasts? And, Potentially. And, 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 you know, if you think about the yeah. whole idea of, of, you know, stuff being like a sort of a semi-initiatory kind of thing, where it's like, it's getting people inspired, it's getting people to look into things, it's getting people to interested yeah. in these things which then yeah. you know which itself kind of becomes a spell i mean I, th- I think we've talked about like you know was it greenfield pulling the strings behind hellier kind of thing or right you know a similar principle of someone who's uh quite an experienced magician kind of sort of sparking up the imagination of of younger and less um less kind of well versed people uh, in order to actually make things happen and bring about change in the world, perhaps. I think I think that's probably pretty close to, if 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 not what's going on with necessarily to the stars. I think that's pretty close to probably what's going on with a lot of things. Does does Lavender um, does he admit to being a magician in, anywhere like um, outside of the Necromonicon? Um, I not that I know of. I, don't I, I, I had yeah. this weird. I went down this weird rabbit hole just to, of of sort of like like stream of consciousness thought about uh peter lavender choosing the name simon and obviously then you get simon the magus who fought peter the apostle um you <laughs> yeah. know like being yeah, two yeah, sides yeah, of yeah. the same coin you know oh coin. yeah 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 and then and then you have um, th- th- this idea that in some of these gnostic you know apocryphal gospels you have an actual battle between peter and simon in, yeah. in which peter calls upon the lord to strike simon down um he prays that he's injured badly but not killed and of course, uh, as with all magic, you know, Simon is struck from the sky. He is in- injured badly, but he's injured badly and he dies as well, you know. And, and then, and then, of course, when you look back at that, uh, Peter's real name is Simon. So Simon and Peter were one and the same. You know, Simon, uh, Jesus ch- changed Peter's name from Peter, from Simon to right. Peter. And, and then, and it got me whole, this whole thing that if you were going to secretly cop to being a magician, then, then, and, and of course, like Seven Magus is, 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 um, you know, like the beginning of Gnosticism, you know, and all, all this just got me thinking like about the connections that, that could possibly be there with, uh, Lavender actually sort of being a magician hiding in plain sight. I mean, I think I, like he's, uh, I don't know if he's ever like copped to being a but like he certainly talked as if he has on um, on certain podcasts and stuff. And has uh, he? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll send you all a couple a couple after this. I think because um, I I do think that that dude's the most fascinating man in the world. Um, <laughs> like, uh, and but the thing is, I and I think that you know you look at like what he and this this uh, this comes back to some other stuff too. But like you look at the like the first bunch of books that dude wrote, which were the um, you know the what the hell is the, the name of it? But it's the book about the Nazis, um, oh, uh, to, to, to Unholy Alliance. Yes. And uh, Ratlines and, and the other one. And like, there's what, like, there's a bunch of magicians 
active right now who fucking hate Nazis. And I, and that's like, that's a big part of it. And I think you, you look at, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the other stuff going on in the world and there's a bunch of magicians who really love Nazis who are, uh, who are doing some weird stuff too. And I think that there's definitely a m- magical ideological war kind of, kind of going on. That's like happening at this sort of higher mimetic level and then filtering down to the rest of us it's also happening on twitter well yeah <laughs> yeah so you can see them all on yeah. twitter having the little uh my eyes really just glaze over after one too many uh unironic takes when i'm looking at <laughs> twitter though talking about to the stars and, and stuff and we immediately go down the route of the the occultism and the, the magic yeah. you know and and as you were saying earlier the ufo thing um the actual yeah the idea I, I guess to go back to this again the nuts and bolts idea of things being in the sky and so on which i was so enamored with when i was an 11 year old you know and the x right, came right, out right. and all that kind of thing and i just as you were saying it holds no you know, i have no love for that particularly anymore distinguishing that between the really interesting stuff which is the more jacques filet stuff which is yeah you know the close encounters you know the actual experiences with other beings it seems to me now you know more clearly than than ever really that the 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 actual what you're seeing in the sky is completely separate you know the the idea of the craft in the sky is completely separate than from the the encounters that you have um you know with with these alternate with these like uh you know extra not extraterrestrial beings i mean ultra terrestrial beings I, I guess we're sort of thinking about them but that begs the question of of what this whole disclosure thing is what the what the um the hearings are you know going on through congress and all the rest of it because they just seem to really be running with that idea of the nuts and bolts thing at the moment they you know they do i think that that's the easiest thing it's the easiest paradigm for like most people to swallow um but i the the they are hanging on the phrase non-human intelligence, um, yeah, a lot, which yeah. is just, it's so weird. I mean, I stopped paying attention. Like I, last night I went down a rabbit hole when I should have been going to bed of like seeing like what some of the quote unquote more credible people in the disclosure thing had been currently saying about the hearing that's going on next week or whatever the hell. And it's, anyway, you slice it, it's weird as fuck. Like if it's a massive psyop, it's weird as hell. If it's, um, just a little eddy of insanity it's weird as hell if it's all real it's weird as hell there's no way to look at it where it's not just weird as hell and i'm i'm really curious and a little apprehensive because i do have that there's still that um (laughs) the devil on my shoulder who's a like radical gun wielding fucking libertarian from the woods like he's still there that's 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 what the devil on my shoulder looks like he hates the government he hates the government a lot <laughs> yeah. and he thinks that they will try to blue beam him um you know <laughs> i 
also don't think it'll be as effective as everyone fears, but I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know where I get, I think, I think we're, we will see. I am, I'm loath to like make any sort of judgments or predictions about it because I think it's just plain damn strange. Um, and it's odd to accept that it is plain damn strange too. Like I just brushed it off for, for a long time. It's like, no, it's, it's weird. Yeah. We will see. Whilst we're uh, whilst we're on the subject of fairly recent things, uh, there's a couple of things which recently have been sort of pretty interesting in the in this in the in the weirder sphere, which we thought uh, would be good to talk about. First of all, the uh, the lady on the plane that motherfucker is not real. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then secondly, the uh, I don't know if you saw the the Reddit post from the uh, the the guy who claimed to be have, have been like the the biologist who claimed to have been doing the the kind of autopsies and stuff and he, he had all of the no. um, oh that was crazy that was uh oh wow. boy yeah it was like he <laughs> was talking about like yeah it, it it i guess the two the reason i'm conflating the two is because they they, they came out sort of within i think the same week yeah and the reddit post was basically someone talking about the whole uh you know it, it was it was very similar to things that have been done before um you know, saying I was one of the scientists that was working uh, with these reclaimed bodies that came from the craft, and uh, you know, and he was talking about like how they, they how the it, it was all very convincing, talking about how the, the makeup of the yeah. bodies and stuff. And then he uh, he, he was talking about the uh, you know how they've got a religion and the religion that they have and stuff. And it was, it was, it was pretty wild. And a lot of people initially believed it. My, I first read it. I was like, wow, this is cool as fuck. I wonder what this right. is. And then after a while you're like, hang on. So yeah, this is just made up. Um, yeah. yeah. And then obviously you've got the lady on the plane as well. And just the fact that the two happened so close together, that to me is like a, a really good kind of crystallization of, of, of where we're at at the moment. In the the lady yeah. on the plane, there's no actual, there's nothing to suggest that that she's even talking about reptilians. It's just a video of a lady freaking yeah. out. She could be talking yeah, about yeah, anything, yeah. but the way it's been sort of the way it's been kind of put into the 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 social media thing, and then it's it's been spun up whatever who whoever's controlling it, or if it is being controlled, or if it's just some kind of almost like an egregore of like. You know the, the way that it's it, it's not any one person or a group of people deciding what interpretation comes of it, but more it's just collectively what people want, and then it kind of creates this weird spin on it. And it's like, Sequoia, what the fuck do you think is going on? Yeah. Like this is yeah. <laughs> Discuss. I, well, one, I'm I'm always amazed by how people just don't necessarily understand that like writers are bastards and they like to have fun with people. Like that's just a that's just a thing, you know. And there's a. There's, yeah, like you try to fuck with people. Let's see if you can fucking write something that you know convinces people. Like that's a fun thing to do, you know. Yeah. Um, it's always been away for years, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, you were talking. I think like, even on the nonsense bazaar about uh, was it uh, Poe? Um, uh, yeah, 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 um, yeah. Um, the the balloon hoax. Yes. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, and and you know there was another story that came out for some website like uapmax.com that was like registered two weeks ago that posted this whole fucking mythology about 
you know, the the aliens being at the bottom of the ocean and they've been there and they, you know, they'll they'll wipe us off the the face of the planet if uh, we interfere with what they're doing. We don't know what they're doing. And it's like, okay, this is another mythology. This is another throwing his hat into the ring. But just like the fact that he said, I talked to an unnamed insider. It's like, yo, I might be able to accept people believing that if that was like written by somebody who had a name in the game, like who had like who had previously written stuff. But it's not. It's just some dude on some website that just showed up with literally nothing to suggest credibility at all. But people are so, so ready to believe it. And I mean, I, like, the, you know, there's a solid half, I'll say generously, of people on those Reddit threads I saw were saying, like, there's no reason to believe this. And it's like, yeah. But the fact that, like, a solid half of the people in there were just mm. so ready. But, but, but what if? But don't you think? But what if there's a chance that's like, yo, there's just. You're really just going to believe things? Like, literally anybody can just say stuff. That's, that's just yeah. a thing you can do. Maybe they just, like, I don't know. I, maybe they haven't had enough bad things happen to them, so they haven't learned to mistrust people yet. I don't know. Um, but it's it's confusing to me. Yeah, I mean, it feels like people seem to be now, um, although it may have been always the way, but, but maybe um, media was didn't proliferate in the same way but people seem willing to believe stuff you saw that with trump you know people were willing to believe um whatever he was saying despite the facts being very much weighted in the opposite direction but people yeah. were so willing to believe it it's a cult um, but, isn't it it's cult yeah well, that, that's kind of what it's like but yeah. then it makes you start to think because it's a subject i think that comes back and surfaces over and over again it kind of almost like haunts the nonsense bizarre is like the truth what is the truth is the truth a thing is the truth objective is the truth subjective you know or, or, or does it meet somewhere in, the, in in between and i was actually listening to some of the old corkboard bazaar which is your patron uh, which yeah. i really recommend to people it's really really good um but you were you were talking in that about about like about that thing you know about about the truth you know and and, and whether there is such thing as um an objective truth at all you know or whether uh the, the truth is is just sort of you know, it, like, like the way that history is just made up of stories, you know, everything's made up of stories, um, you know, and, and our lives are made up of stories. Obviously like the past doesn't really exist. It's just a story that we've created out of our experiences up until this point. And the future is those stories extrapolated, you know? Um, and so I, I start to wonder whether, you know, the, the truth is one thing or whether it's something that can be manipulated. And I kind of think that kind of brings us back to magic a bit yeah i mean i my general I, I i usually default to saying that like i i do believe in a capital t truth but that is one that is ineffable you cannot ever say it you can't ever ex explain it in the right words to someone you can talk to someone and they and you can be like ah, i know what you're saying and they probably do but you're never going to connect through like the through hard language on it you know um but what, what, I think that the truth of I mean, is that capital T truth in is it capital T truth in the same way as like a capital G God, you know? Yeah, like it's something I would say it's like the thing that humanity has called God is, is right, probably okay. how I how That's I would say it. Yeah, or the Tao. You know, the yeah. the Tao that can be named is not the eternal Tao. It's that that kind of idea, and because you and you think about it, like it's you know language and all the things we use to make sense of reality, all of our ontology, all come out of the 
hole. It's all contained within the hole. And to see what that hole is, you'd have to step outside of like the very idea of making sense at all. Like that's 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 not an eternal um thing like sense logic and shit like logic breaks down it's not the math gets imperfect at really small levels like there's you you look at like the 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 paradoxes that um mathematics and like physics like creates and it's like oh yeah like oh there's a paradox but all those paradoxes are mutually exclusive too like they're not compatible with each other so it's like well okay that has to suggest that like the tools we use to make sense of the world are not perfect they're 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 fallible um and you know all the tools but i think that the i think you can experience the totality but you can never like translate it in a way that can ever um i love that i love that that's really really good and and that reminds me of 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 what nathan paul isaac was saying about um about the phenomena and the way that you can't look at it directly you can only catch it in the periphery looking at it directly you can't understand what you're seeing you know it's when you catch and that reminds me of all all these all of these sorts of experiences that that are out of the ordinary you know like particularly the ones that not talking about obviously the nuts and bolts craft and that sort of thing, you know, that people can photograph and draw or, or whatever else, but talking about these, these strange experiences, like the way that these experiences break down into absolute absurdity uh, so quickly. Um, and that now to me is usually in a weird kind of paradoxical way. It makes me believe people more. If their story makes absolutely no sense, mm-hmm. then, yeah. then you start to think, well, they have experienced something, but they just can't express what that is. And maybe yep. they don't even know what it is. Yep. I, I, I agree with that uh, very much. When, when a paranormal story has like way too many, when, when it makes too much sense, when uh, all the loose ends are tied up and there's no plot holes or anything like, oh, that, that's when they're lying because they're nothing have if you've ever experienced anything truly strange you know that it doesn't work like that you know um yeah that that's the problem that experiences have isn't it and something that we've been talking about a bit again recently is is that the only way that you can prove any of this to anyone is to experience it yourself you know there's there's no way words don't communicate these experiences there's certain types of art i think that can possibly come close to this sort of thing but the the only way to truly know whether an event is true is to have experienced it yourself you know and and i think that that's one of those i, I think it's one of those things that makes it easy for people to dismiss other people's stories and experiences yeah but you know even if you experience something you can't what <laughs> the problem even exists when you're trying to translate it to yourself you know, and like, and you decide like when you're trying to figure out what it means to you, like you're probably gonna be wrong, you know, if, especially if you want it to mean a certain thing. Um, There's but, all the layers of cognition that you have to go through, isn't there? Because if you see something yeah. weird, first of all, that there is whatever that weird thing really is, you know, and then, and then there is your human senses that are detecting whatever that weird thing is. And then there's the way that your brain processes those senses. And then there's the story that your brain tells itself about what it's experiencing and then you have to explain that to someone else you know and then so there's the use of like language to try to get what that experience is out of yourself into someone else and then there is the other person's interpretation of those words that you're saying and it's like a a horrendous loop of chinese whispers so that the actual experience itself is probably long lost by the time it gets to anyone else's perception yeah yeah and i I always think about that when when you you get those like really 
uh, odd encounter stories. Um, it's like, like I have really no way of knowing if the, if the words I'm being told are an accurate representation of the experience. Um, I don't know if like someone says something to me, then they go home and they go, why did I say it like that? You know, (laughs) because it's entirely possible. And, and so having said it like that, you know, me on the other end, I have a totally different image and maybe it's something totally wild and unbelievable. That could never happen. And it, yeah, like you said, it, 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 it does get lost in this like rock tumbler of, um, semantics, I suppose. It makes you wonder, like, is it our culture that doesn't have, do, do other cultures have the, um, and I suspect the answer is yes. Do, do other cultures have the means within their language or within their, you know, whether it be uh, music or art to communicate that f- uh, far more effectively than we do in our sort of technological West Western uh, culture? I, I I can't say obviously because I've not experienced them cultures, but I just get right. the feeling that 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 perhaps they do because we're kind of a bit shit when it comes to that because we're so reliant on what we think of as science as being an objective truth and being you know uh, black or white or whatever and you know I don't know what I do think you that think? we pro- I think that we probably did before industrialization you know like um, because it's one of the th- the things that uh, Doris talked about Dora Mason's talked about in his podcast is is um is um I, I was listening to a really good episode i'll try to link to it in the show notes where he was talking to joshua kutchin who'd written the ecology of souls and um he was saying why does so much of this stuff happen in ireland and then darad said that um like ireland wasn't properly industrialized until the 20th mm. century and mm. so obviously they were living in completely different um, context than a lot of the rest of the Western world. You know, you, you were living by candlelight, you know, you, you still had these stories. You, you, you weren't in this uh, technocratic uh, way of life. Um, and I think that that must have something to do with it. Yeah. You know, like now that I think about it, like the, the town I live in is, uh, it's right. I grew up and then I, um, I'm back here again and I, it's sick. I fucking love it. <laughs> it's in the <laughs> middle of the woods in uh, Western Rhode Island. And, um, you know, I'm in uh, 1790. I looked at a census from 1790 once, like 10 years ago, and I still remember it, which is just silly. But it was like the third most populous town in Rhode Island, and now it's the least with the same exact number of people the entire <laughs> way through. And it it was like a, a mill town that got taken over by but, you know, the mills all fell apart and all this stuff, and it got taken back over by the forest. All the all the fields grew in, all this stuff, and it is this sort of place outside of time, in in a lot of ways. Like I always kind of joke that, like, oh, anyone I, I ever piss off in my podcast, like I'm safe here. Like this place <laughs> has my back, you know. And Stay I really genuinely feel that, like that that the the place I live has my back, um, and it is outside of the uh, the the technocratic hustle and bustle of the fucking cities that I'll never go back to and and stuff like um and it, it, it's because there's so much weirdness in my town is is why I thought of, thought of it and there's so much like direct relationship with other things with ghosts t- so many so many ghost stories um orbs uh you, you just strangeness um and i never 
really made like the, the the physical connection between like oh no this place went back to the woods and i like well, i wonder if that you know how much that has to do with, but i'm also i'm like i'm a stone's throw away from uh, a place that lovecraft um based a story directly on and i oh yeah and I've, I've thrown a bunch of parties in the woods that uh lovecraft tried to find when he wrote the color out of space and didn't actually find it because he was a city boy and uh, never never made it to Dark Swamp. Um, but he wrote The Color Out of Space, even though uh, nominally set in Massachusetts. It was based off his experience trying to find this place that, um, you know, uh, dragged subwoofers out two miles into the middle of the woods and and all that. And uh, the, there's, yeah, it's a, uh, I think the strange, I think, I think there is a, there's a there's a reason ufos show up to people in the middle of fucking nowhere you know like it, 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 I, it i do sort of in my own personal beliefs i sort of suspect that it has to do with the relationship between the human mind and the larger mind of life itself um Nature. yeah i i generally i like the using the phrase life itself because it it, it in my mind and in, in like if I'm if I was to place my bets on anything, it would be like the alien is the overmind of the totality of life on Earth, um, you know, and that's why it sometimes seems human. Sometimes that's why it sometimes seems uh, viral. That's why it sometimes seems like a tiger that wants to eat you because it is all these things. It's 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 all of it together, you know, like the Gaia kind of thing. Or, or are you talking more localized? More, I mean, I, I would say a little more mystical than than like the just systems approach to the Gaia hypothesis. But but I do mean like the the whole thing. I I, I tend to think that there's just as like all right, if um if we we say that like a person is thinking right like or you know there's something uh, a person has thoughts or something but in our kind of probably false conception of like what does the thinking we we think you know the brain does i mean forget about like the fact that the heart has a bunch of neurons and all this stuff the vagus nerve exists but we think it's the brain that does the thinking but the just because the one part of the person thinks we say the whole person thinks right and so like on a in a very very real way like it's all of life is one organism and if you were to look at it from outside of time as a linear construct and look at the whole thing like it would be just one big old green bubbling mass you know just colonizing this rock and like we know humans think and we also know that like you know dolphins wolves ravens what great apes all have um theory of mind like are all elephants like we know there's a lot more animals that all have the same type of cognition as us so like okay a part of this organism thinks so logically the whole organism must think and uh, like i to me there's i mean you know it's kind of a leap of faith but like there's no way for me to not see all of earth and all of life as one one organism and like you know maybe it's just because i just had a head full of fucking mushrooms one time but um it definitely was it became very apparent to me and like that the uh and what i would like place my bets on is that the experience of you know the spooky broadly speaking is is the interfacing between the individual and the overmind of uh of organic life i really like relate to that because when i've tried to explain you know when you have those kind of uncanny experiences it's never just one thing that it that 
gives that experience its weight. It's a gestalt of a lot right. of different things that happen at the same time. Um, so we were talking um, uh, a, a few days ago about uh, when I had that experience, which I, I keep talking about at the moment, but because it's probably the most vivid experience w- with something that I can't explain that I've had, which is when I was in the woods on the solstice and, and I had that weird um, experience uh, with the bellowing coming from the woods. Yeah. But it wasn't just that there was something shouting from the woods, which on its own, I probably wouldn't have even thought it was that weird. It was the stillness in the air. It was the yeah. light at the time. It was the feeling in my body. It was the way that the light, the, the, it was kind of dark, but it was the way that the surroundings had shimmered and been something was different, but that something being different was everything was different, you know, for that short time, whilst that experience was there, everything was different, you know, and that's obviously coming from me as well. You know, my state was different. Um, the, 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 the stillness and the silence was weird. The sounds from the wood when they started was weird, but everything was, it wasn't just one focused thing, you know, like it wasn't just, you know, as you would say, like a, a triangular craft in the sky or something, you know, it was a whole system um you know of interacting weird things happening at once to make this experience that makes that was so vivid and so powerful to me and just as soon as it had happened and it had run through its course it stopped and you know that exact feeling or that exact experience i've never had again and i probably couldn't recreate and probably can't be recreated you know you you know how powerful that is when you experience something like that and it's so personally powerful that it's undeniable yeah. Yeah. To explain that to someone, you heard something howling in the woods. Yes. That's it. That's it. But in that experience, like I've heard weird shit in the woods before. Didn't affect me like that. I've had that Oz effect thing happen and it did affect me, even if it you know wasn't as um, e- even as uh, uh, experientially intense as hearing something howling through the woods. Maybe it was just finding something that I lost a while ago, but feeling very strange right before I did, you know, Um, it's those moments to me that are like the, the real, uh, the undeniably strange and paranormal uh, moments of life. I mean, because I've never seen a (laughs) UFO or any apparitions of anything, um, but I've had a lot of those, you know, and uh, it, I, I suppose it'll either drive you insane or drive you to become a podcaster, which is <laughs> about the same thing. One thing I was thinking about, and uh, Buckley, I don't know if you can relate to this, but like I, you know, I've, I, uh, I don't haven't built myself a modular setup yet, but I have a couple semi-modulars and I've rigged them together and stuff. And I love analog synthesizers so much on like a deep spiritual level. <laughs> like the idea of tapping into the current of electricity and then sending that through pathways and stuff to build something that's emotionally affecting is just oh it's the coolest it, thing in it the world feels to me. like, like <laughs> I mean, it's kind of i know it's i know it's kind of a cliche but it's like alchemy isn't it yeah yeah you can just lose your so much time and also your mind in uh in a big enough patch bay it's it's really cool 
if you can get hold of one, you should try the um, the Lyra, the the one that I use for the uh, the vase soundtrack because that is like I don't know if you have you uh, have you heard about how that's been made or anything. The Lyra, no, no so it's uh, this is relevant. Trust me, it, it's been <laughs> built the way that the guy's made. It's made by this Russian guy who's. It's kind of built like a. He's made it like an organism, so it's like the different the different elements of it, the different oscillators and things respond to one another in the same way that an organism does. And it's not got like a keyboard. It's got like a um, sort of these kind of touch okay. points which you can individually tune. And oh, wow. so what you're doing is when you put your finger on them, you're creating a bridge between the top and the bottom and it okay. allows the electricity to throw through your body. So your oh body my. temperature affects how everything works because everything is connected. So how sweaty you are or the environment and stuff. Ow. So that's that's why the bass soundtrack is so fucking cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, one, it is, and two, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> Lyra eight. Fuck yeah. They're really, they're really interesting synthesizers, and they do sort of... Th- th- They've obviously just got that kind of high concept thing going on. Where mm. um, I think we may we maybe just lost a lot of listeners there. Well, yeah, I mean it's <laughs> you know you can't get too far into the synth nerd shit because I can just go forever. <laughs> Something that you were talking about earlier was your divinatory practice, and um, at the beginning of every nonsense bazaar, you draw tarot cards, um, and. Um, you know, by the end of the episode, you make sense of whatever you pull. What's your connection to tarot and, and how do you think it works? Um, let me say, I'm a stickler for a lot of the rules of tarot. Um, in like the, you know, I use the, you know, Kab- Kabbalah with a Q, uh, hermetic, um, hermetic Kabbalah way of interpreting it. Um, you use a Thoth deck, do you? Yeah, that's yeah. it's my it's my favorite. Uh, I, I think you know essentially just because of the of the art, um, and you know I I do I do I think there's a lot of magical value in Crowley, but I like I'm not a Thelemite, and uh, it's not not my thing. But I I just fucking love the art in the Thoth deck. It's so good, um, and I, I you know Crowley was had a lot of very useful things to say. I think, um, but. I kind of think of tarot as almost as um, music theory in that it's a sort of arbitrary set of rules that a lot of people have worked very hard on for a long time. And like like Crowley says, and I think it's the intro to Libra 777, like it doesn't necessarily matter what set of rules you use as long as you use a set of rules. And the, the tarot, especially as it's constructed in the Thoth deck, is a model of the universe is it the model of the universe no no but it's a model people have worked very hard on and i am always torn between like the actual you know whether it's truly magical magically significant or if it's just a good enough model that you can take a sort of holographic approach to it that anything you pick will be relevant and will be true and useful because it's such a well-constructed model of the universe and you know like all things magical whenever you decide on a paradigm something will happen to make you realize that that paradigm is totally true you'll pull the same card eight times in a row for the same fucking question after shuffling it better than you've ever shuffled before in your life every time you know that that will just happen um but i i it's 
it's just a very useful system for making sense of of things and for yeah it, it's useful i think and with a lot of um magical stuff like it's I, it, for me it comes down to it's useful i don't necessarily have a great theory of it but it's just proven itself to be useful whereas you know some things i've tried i've proven this up they they're not useful um sigils for me they're not useful uh, they don't nothing happens um except for that one time that i got a very specific large amount of money by uh totaling my car right afterwards though luckily i wasn't it was in a parking lot i just didn't have a car for four months and then i realized that i got a settlement for exactly the amount of money that i asked for um that's, that's only classic. only time it's 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 quite classic yeah, yeah only I mean, time that, that, i've ever had a result from them either yeah we talked about that <laughs> bit, how, how like you know that that's the sort of double-edged sword of the sigil is that like yeah you can get what you want but you might not get it in the way that you want it um yeah i really liked what you said just before about something i think that crowley had said um in Libra 777 about it doesn't matter you know what the rules are as long as you set the rules sort of thing. yeah that is something that i'm coming up against in i mean i sent you that long rambling email um, yeah, yeah. Of, of, of thoughts and, and like i keep on t- fiddling with it and stuff of, of um i i have this sort of intuitive desire to to pursue this particular idea of um imp- of of the human act of imposing rules and mm-hmm. that, and 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 it's acting magic because th- that is what we do as humans we we create laws and rules and order and we impose it onto the chaos because what everything is in front of us what this whole world is what this whole reality is is just a load of like just steaming chaos like an absolute hot mess and all we're doing is processing it in a way that we can make sense out of it by putting rules into it you know and and we are creatures that live by that and it only follows from that that creating our own rules and living by them as if they were true can make them true because they are then imposed onto that chaos and we shape that into reality and that that had some resonance with what you were saying about and well i guess what you were saying crowley had said um about the the you know imposing the rules it doesn't matter what the rules are as long as you have those rules yeah, yeah. Well, it just it gives you like like music and like music theory. You can break the rules too, but having that skeletal structure, it, it I think it focuses you. It gives you more confidence and more. It allows your in, intention to be more clear, and it allows you to um, essentially just not get lost in the weeds of things. I think, um, and I know, like you know, when I'll read tarot and you know as i was saying i have you know very manageable ocd but it it's there it's there for sure and a trap i can fall into is um divination over and over and over again that uncertainty thing so i have to be very careful about that and so what i do is i make my tarot practice very much like i light the incense i sit down i do the thing i set everything to make it feel intentional which is like that shit that is in every book. We just don't take it seriously until you realize how not doing it can fuck you over. But like when I will just like be pulling cards in a state of um, uh, anxiety or something and not like focused, like you're not getting good readings. Now, whether that's because the cards aren't relevant or your brain just isn't relevant at the time, but having this set of rules and and knowing it gives you that, I get, I think just clarity and, and, and elegance and efficiency. And uh, I mean, you know, I'm a sucker for a, a, elegant set of rules you know in um 
games and 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 things like I probably maybe I'd be a lawyer if I didn't hate authority as much as I yeah don't do. don't do it to take <laughs> no, that's, that's not something you want <laughs> I don't think much this has come across on on our show but our entire relationship to saint germain is the weirdest fucking thing that has ever goddamn happened to me um and me specifically uh, <laughs> it, it seems I shouldn't laugh it is kind of funny though it's hilarious i mean and it's so um you know there's a way to think about that fucking that character the character of saint germain or the count of saint germain that like yeah it works both as you know the nyarlathotep style um hypnotist and um evil magician but also it works just very much like the doctor from doctor who or the electronic music you know performer it's the spirit of performance and magic and spectacle and shit right like and that's kind of how i started to to see it but like just how that whole fucking thing shook out for us is just so incredibly bizarre um it it feels a bit like almost like you've created not quite like the egregore but you've got a similar thing going on to what's happening in hellier and penny royal in that you've almost like shaken up a synchronicity storm because i was listening yeah. to some of those early corkboard bazaars and you were talking about that manga where right, exactly. someone had, had had randomly in 2005 come across 2004, a really similar yeah. Uh, characterization mm-hmm. to Saint Germain, including the bunny ears, including the which, fucking which bunny ears, is, which is your which is your weird thing about Saint Germain being Bugs Bunny. Yeah, would that so that just happened because of a friggin' a just an inside joke about um, you know probably what the first time Will and I hung out and like talked about things. She made a joke about Bugs Bunny being a chaos magic, uh, a god of chaos, right? Absolutely, and, for sure, that's true. Yeah, definitely. And then um, talking to our friend uh, AP Strange, he uh, when we were like researching like the Ashtar Command stuff, he's he's a big Bugs Bunny fan, and he had similar thoughts. And like it became just like this in joke about Bugs Bunny being this god of chaos. And we were at the time, you know, all up in the Saint Germain shit, which is like I was looking for a throwaway episode. So I did the Count of St. Germain, the immortal alchemist who never dies. Uh-huh. And we found this cult and we we're like, these are the worst vibes I've ever fucking seen. Um, okay. And then we just kind of decided like, do you want to do this like 10 episode stretch on like the Ascended Master teachings? Okay, cool. It got very fucking strange. And um, and then we just started, you know, just referring to St. Germain as Bugs Bunny because he just kept showing up in the weirdest and weirdest of places. And then like, it was like right before um our last episode on the saint germain foundation saint germain foundation 2 where we uh played those clips of that kid we uh that interviewed who 
had his mind fucked by them, which things got very strange after that too. Um, It was like, hadn't thought about that fucking guy, St. Germain, in a long time. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, like I was laying in bed and I just started thinking about how damn strange all of it was just out of nowhere. Picked up my phone out of nowhere, looked on Twitter for no reason. But the first thing I saw was someone posted about, I think they tagged us and posted about a uh, a Pathfinder role-playing game. Or, or uh, It wasn't Pathfinder. It was another RPG. It doesn't matter. But it was an adventure called Bring Me the Head of the Count of St. Germain. I'm like, oh, no. And then it was like the next day or the day after that Willow found that video of that kid and we were like right back. And after we released that episode, we felt like we were betting, like going all in with all of our credibility. And like the day after we really, cause it was just so fucking unbelievable. But like the shit this kid was saying was like the, um, it was all the things that we had joked about in our most stoned, most paranoid um, ramblings. Like this kid was coming out and saying, Oh yeah, that's what's happening. Uh, you know, this non-human intelligence trying to possess, like possess people in these new age communities and these like intentional living eco villages down in South America, uh, to embody itself as this hive mind. And we had like legitimately privately joked about like exactly that thing minus like the South America thing, but like through these, you know, new age pop-up cults and shit. And, um, we hear this kid say that. It's like, what the fuck? And after we released that, like, um, the producer of the uh, mini podcast series American PSYOP, which is about um, uh, Wesley Clark Jr. being um, targeted and mindfucked by private intelligence and the I am and um, believing he was the prophet Enoch after feeling a, a weird vibration in his chest and his head, which is... <laughs> um, this dude reaches out to us and he's like, Hey, just so you know, um, you're not crazy. You're over a really big target that we've been working on for a while. I'm like, what the, this started as a throwaway episode a year ago. And we've just been following fucking St. Germain. It just gets weird. Oh, the dude's talking to me, produced a theatrically released documentary f- prominently featuring interviews with Hillary Clinton. What the fuck is happening right now? Yeah. Yeah. Like very, spooky you know what i mean like just very much above our fucking pay grade and like (laughs) legitimate and 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 it just and so right around this whole time um we found this uh manga oh man i I forget the name of it but it's it's called uh in english it's like a certain magical index and it's this um you know fictional take on western magic which i just personally love uh Japanese takes on Western religions and Western spirituality. Like the anime version of Christianity is so fucking badass. I just, I love it so much. <laughs> um, but like, you know, every, there's all these characters like uh, McGregor Mathers is a character in this. Um, uh, Anna Springer, like the, the OG secret chief uh, Crowley is a character in it. And then there was a limited run uh, series, like off offshoot series where St. Germain is the villain. And not only is St. Germain uh, wearing a like tuxedo and is insane as a character, truly fucking insane. He also operates through hypnosis, 
um, spectacle. He's trying to embody, it's trying to embody itself as a hive mind in people. It's obsessed with crystals and crystallization. And the mark of when St. Germain takes over someone's body is they wear bunny ears, like a, like a rabbit out of a, out of a hat, you know, the, 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 it's fucking nuts, man. Sequoia, you're going to hate me for this, but the uh, the episode of the Rabbits podcast that I listened to today mentioned yeah. Saint Germain. Oh Jesus, for for fuck's sake! What what do you think it is? I mean, because th- this is this is really interesting, and and it, it almost become kind of meta and self referential, hasn't it? Because it, it's yeah. almost it's almost as if like you're creating something which was already real. You know, yeah, it, uh, it has that feeling to it, doesn't it? You know, like when you. Um, tell a story or you do a bit of art and then you find out that it was actually true i, I think actually you talked about this recently in in um you wrote a song that came true or that's something happened like a that. bunch man yeah uh, yeah yeah and, and this feels almost like almost it's like, like a hyper sigil isn't it yes yeah. yes it's something and, and it's echoing back as well as forward uh, do you think that you looking into this is giving it more energy i don't know but i it's it's weird because like it doesn't seem right that like it's so easy for us to just follow this bastard and keep stumbling into like he's right there in in so many of these stories the nine the fucking all the stuff the q shit the fucking uh, just nassar all the shit saint germain's like prominently right there and i feel like no one else has fucking noticed this and it's almost like we're the only ones who could notice it or something or maybe we're the only ones stupid enough to care but it, you know what I mean? But I mean, that's just kind of a pithy joke, but it, it is odd that it just hasn't been pointed out yet when it's so prominent. Um, and, you know, I don't know. And and when it gets back to like the intelligence thing, it's like, well, you know, CIA was built out of, you know, European aristocracy and uh, the Knights of Malta and all this stuff. And um like legitimately and uh you know the original ascended master saint germain um when cw ledbetter adopted him as his personal master you know he said he was like i forget the dude's name but like the most famous knight of malta you know and knights of malta have always had a spooky nature to them having the only being open to uh european aristocracy up until 2010 i think and then um and and having always had like special passports to get anywhere um, and carry anything with them. So it's just, you know, exactly what you would want to be to do some spook work. Um, there, there's a proud history of espionage uh, tied to theosophy and tied specifically to the idea of St. Germain and anybody from the very start who, I mean, hell, even the Count of St. Germain, the one or two or three characters that they, the name comes from was a spy. You know, like at the end of the day, like it's dude's a spy. And um, and so it's it's kind of it makes a lot of sense that it would always just be tied to espionage. But again, you know, espionage, magic, performance, art are all sides of the same, you know, non-Euclidean coin. It's almost like stage magic, isn't it? As well, yeah. like the the, combi- the 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 combination of the two. Uh, I just just as an aside, I realised I used the term hypersigil earlier a few minutes ago, and I meant to say hyperstition. Uh, well, they, sorry, yeah, about I'm not going to edit it back in because. Well, no, uh, but what's what's interesting is uh, that actually makes that actually works because I've had this very harebrained, insane magician idea that like 
being above our pay grade and researching some of this stuff is like, like, I don't, I don't fucking know how computers work. I don't know what cybersecurity is. I don't know how to do this. You know what I mean? Like, that's not my, I'm an artist. That's what I do. I, I want to, I want to save the soul of St. Germain. I want to rehabilitate the character. I think that's like what I have to do. And like, I think that's like, just totally steal it from him. You know, make it, make it a character that you can, you can root for and believe in that's, you know, fights, fights for good. Just totally rip it out from under him. Like the Nazis have done with so much else stolen yeah. it and repurposed I like that, it. That kind of comes to what we were saying about you, you, you kind of take that and make your own story out of it. And that exactly. story, you can make that become real. And that's what a hypersigil is, isn't it? You yeah, know, exa- you, exactly. Yeah. And what if it turns out that, yeah, I'm imagining this is a film and then it sort of, it shows the picture of, of St. Germain. Like they find a, they find this, this ancient picture of St. Germain, <laughs> even though photographs <laughs> don't exist. Okay. So they find a, a painting yeah. of St. Germain yeah, yeah, yeah. from back in the day. And it's just a painting of Sequoia Kennedy. I mean, and it's like, <laughs> and that's it. It was you all along. And like, you know what? It, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing no. that could happen. But I mean, like if I, I'm impulsive enough that if like I got presented with a time machine or something, like I'd probably jump in, you know, so <laughs> go in and say, Hey, my name's, uh, uh, yeah. St. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if I did get sent back in time, like, I wouldn't know what else to say. Uh, like at no. this point, I'd probably have to just like, who are you? I'd probably just, it would just come out. I'd just, I, I'm, I'm the Count of St. Germain. <laughs> so, you know, the future's getting weirder by the day. So you never know what might happen. Yeah. Well, this is like, a, this is like an exclusive now. We've got like, we know what's, we've kind of predicted the, uh, Got an exclusive scoop on like what's going to happen or what has happened or (laughs) yeah (laughs) amazing Well, I, let me tell you about the uh, the orb I saw. Yeah, too. yeah, that's uh, yeah. So this is this is going back to the to the local the local thing. So there's um, there's a haunted uh, location near near me, um, Rhode Island's only officially haunted location, as recorded in the 1885 census, uh, which is probably tax evasion because it was, <laughs> yeah, like legitimately yeah. it got passed from person to person for less and less money every time until it was just listed as haunted and no one wanted to pay taxes on it anymore. So they just abandoned it. Um, but there's a weird murder or suicide that did very much happen there. And, uh, the ghost supposedly haunts this place and tons of people have had weird, weird experiences, uh, at this, um, it's the site of an old, um, textile mill down, down by a river, all this stuff. And the legend goes that the night watchman haunts the place he uh, rings the now non-existent bell, which hasn't happened in a while, but I know older people who say they used to wake up and hear the bell at midnight, even after the bell tower was gone. Um, 
And the thing that people see is the lantern, the orange glow of the lantern in the woods. And I've been there a bunch of times, and I think it was twice I did see this orange glow off in the woods. Now, people have campfires, all this stuff, but there's houses with, you know, lights, fireplace or whatever. Uh, This wasn't flickering at all. It was just solid orange light. And like at the time I was younger and I didn't know much about like the orb sightings and stuff. So I chalked it up to like, is that the lantern or is it not? Is it a campfire? Well, years later, I was, um, I was like 21 or something. It was wintertime and I was back at my parents' house and, um, I was like outside smoking a cigarette and, uh, looking off into the woods and looking in a direction that there are no houses. It was the dead of winter. There was, uh, no snow on the ground, I believe, but dead of winter. So you could see through the forest and it's pretty sparsely populated. And I know where the houses are. This was the middle of the damn woods. And there was just a solid orange light, just standing, hovering in the, in the woods. I couldn't tell how far away it was. Um, and I just watched it as I smoked my cigarette and then just kind of put, put it out, backed away back into the house. Cause I was like, this is just odd. And the weird part about it is I was talking to, um, my buddy who, uh, I, I've been in many bands with and stuff, and he's a very much a rational person, very much a skeptic. And I was telling him about this and, you know, he's like, dude, uh, all right, let, I've seen that thing. I'm like, Okay, well, what do you, what do you mean? And he didn't just see it, uh, you know, static and uh, unmoving in the woods. He and his whole family, when he was, I don't know, probably eighteen, nineteen, something like that, were sitting on their porch, about maybe a mile from my parents' house, um, sitting on their porch on a summer's day, and they just saw this fucking orange orb come traveling out of the woods, bobbing up and down across their driveway and go off into the into the woods they chalked it up to ball lightning you know whatever the hell ball lightning is yeah. right <laughs> yeah um but yeah like it didn't do anything it just bobbed you know across their yard and 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 into the woods and then i, I he said this and i kind of realized that like oh that orange that lantern that people see at that uh textile factory site like that's that's not a lantern. That's just the orb that hangs out in this town. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of other people have seen that exact, have seen an orange orb uh, in, in these woods. This time last year, me and Buckley went to watch a talk by Phil Leggard, um, who writes about magic. Um, and he did a talk, a lecture on, um, it was called um, The Shadow Over... Ilkley. Um, Ilkley, that's it, yeah. And it was about magic um, and that chaos magic and all that kind of thing, the magical history of Yorkshire. And one of the things that he talked about was obols, which are orange balls of light. Oh, interesting. Um, which are often seen in these in this particularly haunted area of the Yorkshire Moors. And it sounds very, very similar to what you're saying. And apparently yeah. it's such a kind of legitimate phenomena that people can... I mean, we went looking for them and didn't see anything, but like we just you can lost. just kind of... We just got lost, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but you can just kind of go to the moors and hang out until you see one, you know, because the, and and I mean, there's there's loads of other history and there's loads of magic and obviously chaos magic oh, kind of started in in Yorkshire as well. Yeah, um, yeah. But th- there's some sort of connection there, and it makes me think as well of um, um, 
and I can't put my finger on a, a single story at the moment that, that make me think of it, but the connection to the Fae there as yeah. well and, and the yeah, Fae yeah. and, and the, the lights that you see around that kind of phenomena. Yeah, um, I'm I'm going to look into that because, uh, I, I don't know, having it like documented evidence of specifically orange orbs, I want to see if there's any like geographic similarities or um, hell, cultural similarities and stuff. I know this... Uh, this town had a lot of a large influx of um, Norwegian immigrants in the early 1800s, I think. Um, but uh, what did you say? Like Obols? Obols, yeah. So it's just yeah, A-B-O-L, okay. orange balls of light. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there, I mean, I, I don't expect you to know this, but just on the off chance, is there anything in Norwegian folklore or anything? I that don't know. Explain it? No. I have no idea now. Um yeah, that's not... obviously once you get to Scandinavia, there is that very, very strong tradition of fairies and and uh, gnomes and elves and that kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's um, very in uh, in New England, um, there's the, uh, the Puckwudgies is the name of the the our our version of the little people, which are like weird tiny hedgehog men that will uh, push you off cliffs if they want if they want to. <laughs> yeah, they're they're quite vindictive. Um, they're little <laughs> bastards, uh, and uh, it, we, you know, there's a lot of like uh, stone cairns throughout the woods around here, there, and uh, probably some lost mythology that I don't really know that much about, and I've never really looked into the Norwegian folklore side of things. And I, like, I always think like nothing that weird has ever happened to me, but like, there's a legitimate like, like I could, I could, I could go looking for that orb again. You know what I mean? Like, and I never really yeah, necessarily think that I could like try and figure that out, but I definitely could. You I would definitely wouldn't orb. figure it out, but I could definitely try and have fun with it. You know? It's, yeah. Yeah. And maybe try and get St. Germain involved as well. Cause well, if he isn't already. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it feels like that he'll show up quite an important, <laughs> quite an important thing, isn't it? Or you'll, you'll like, you'll like read back and it'll turn out like St. Germain was a big fan of, Orbs, orange balls orange. of light. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of light. Just... yeah, man. I I don't know. I to be honest, like the 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 Saint Germain stuff like freaks me the hell out. Whatever it shows up, it goes away, and then there's just like there'll be a synchronicity storm. Then it'll show up again. It's like I don't know if like actively running from it will help at all. I'm not exactly sure what to do, but it's uh, it's it's just freaky. Keep, keep documenting sure. it. So, yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. that's the thing to do i say that purely <laughs> selfishly as someone who enjoys it by the way i'm not saying that as a, <laughs> as a saying that this this will be you know this is how to save your life or save your oh, no, sanity or whatever it will be selfish. terrible for me that's that's yeah. just how it goes yeah. it's fine though it's a you have to suffer for art you know <laughs> <laughs> So we usually ask our guests if there's any particular books, music, podcasts, um, or films or documentaries or television series that they can recommend for our listeners to go and search out for themselves. Do you have any favorites that you'd like to recommend? I, I, I have to do this just because it's, uh, 
in the last couple of months, um, the Dune series just absolutely destroyed me. I have to like read read some Dune, at least the first four books of Dune. It's real good. It's real good. Um, very strange and very dreamlike, and very much about like ecology and what what is time? You know what what really is what what's going on here, and how things morph and change and and evolve and grow, and how actions have often unforeseeable consequences. Um, and then also, um, man, hmm. I always get stumped by this shit because I have like an infinite library of, 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 yeah, I know the feeling of things. Um, I'm going to say play some tabletop role-playing games, whatever, whatever they are, Pathfinder, D and D Delta, whatever, play some tabletop role-playing games. There's, it's like. It's very much adjacent to a psychedelic experience. It gets strange. It's uh, it's definitely a consciousness expanding technology for sure. Um, I I am a unrepentant dice addict and always will be. Uh, you, get to <laughs> impo- you get to impose that elegant set, set of rules that you were talking about earlier. Exactly. Yes. So, where can people find you, and where can people find the nonsense bazaar? Uh, so on um, we're on every everywhere podcasts are. Um, all the different podcast apps. We have a website, uh, nonsensebizarre.com, which uh, looks like a piece of trash from the 90s. That's intentional, but it's also not finished. Um, <laughs> I really need to finish that. And uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, um, the Nonsense Bazaar uh, on Twitter and Nonsense Bazaar on Instagram. And from there, you can find like our personal you know, accounts and stuff, me and Willows. Yeah, that's about that's about it. Fantastic. And if anyone wants to find more about Vase, um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as well. That's at Vase and then Vase spelt backwards. So that's at V-A-Y-S-E-E-S-Y-A-V. Um, you can find our website, uk. All the episodes are there um, and all the show notes are there as well. That's the only place that all the show notes are. Uh, but you can find us on all the, the usual podcasting channels as well. Uh, you can email us on vaseinfo at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear about your experiences or any recommendations. Um, and uh, you can buy the soundtrack on Band, Bandcamp. Um, Buckley kindly puts any of the money that comes from the sale of that soundtrack back into the podcast so that helps us keep this running and we now have a ko-fi as well which we use for similar things if you enjoying the show and you have got any money to spare and you'd like to check us some uh, please do and um, please like follow subscribe and most importantly share um you know if you're enjoying the podcast the best thing you can do for us is just to tell a friend about it uh, tell an enemy about it if you want and maybe you'll become friends um and um thank you to everyone who listens um uh, I mean, uh, just for shouts outs that we've had a couple of really nice interactions recently on Twitter, uh, Kelly Bear, who also has a great uh, YouTube channel worth checking out um, and uh, Starry Star um, on Twitter as well, who um, also uh, sent us an email recommending um, a book, uh, which was really, really good. Um, thank you very much for being here, Sequoia. It's ab- absolutely it's so, so interesting to get your take on all this stuff. Oh, thank you guys for having me. This is really fun. Um, I'm very, very appreciative. Thank you very much for having me yeah, on. Yeah, thank you, Sakura. Yeah. It's been great. Um, just like a couple yeah. of things I'd like to add. Um, we do have a Discord, which is almost a bit like um, an early 2000s message board, so where people can discuss things and chat and stuff and share the cool shit they've been uh, involved with. Um, Nonsense Bazaar also have one. Yeah, it's a, it's part of our Patreon. Um, 
Uh, we it's it's all locked down, you know. But <laughs> yeah, I'd recommend uh, uh, <laughs> you, yeah, I'd recommend the Nonsense Bazaar Patreon, by the way, because you get uh, you get the extra audio as well as the Discord server, yeah, and you sometimes good. do live uh, streams as well. Do you, do you still do that? We've done. We did one. Uh, I'd like to do it again, but it's um, a decent amount more work that we sometimes can't fit in. But yeah. I'd like to do. I'd like to do that again. For sure. And you can get to the Vase um, uh, Discord. You can get to by uh, doing a regular subscription on the Ko-Fi. Yeah. So if you subscribe monthly, uh, you get access to the Discord. You get to hang out with us in a virtual environment and just like shoot the shit. Um, and uh, yeah, there's some good discussion going on there there's, as well. Though it's not all uh, it's not all fun and games. Uh, it tends to get pretty deep. We've got some cool and interesting people on there so uh so yeah just join us on there because it'll be good uh so sequoia before you go i have a really important question for you this is really important this is the question that's been on everyone's lips it's been on i've been thinking about this all night (laughs) and i'm sure the listeners will know what i'm going to ask already because they know it they can sense the tension in the air they know what uh, they're thinking so here we go sequoia who would win in a fight between Nonsense Bazaar and Vase? <laughs> I mean... And this is both of you. This is not, I know there's two of us and this one is of you both, here tonight, but it, Willow is counted in this have, as well. You'd have Willow yeah. to back you up. Yeah. I you think Willow I, would carry us. Yeah, like, I wouldn't fancy my chances you know, against. It's, not, it's just... It has nothing to do with me. Yeah, <laughs> I think she would one, kick all it? three of our asses. Yeah, yeah I oh, mean, yeah. Hein is very strong, <laughs> but like me, is very gentle. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't bring myself to hurt the nonsense bazaar. I think I'd no. have to. I'd <laughs> no, it would. I tell you what, though, like just to look at visually, it would be a very funny fight. Like it would be hilarious. Oh, yes. there was a yeah, film, yeah, yeah. A bit, like imagine. <laughs> <laughs>